Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome to another episode of the H&E Pod. And again, I am joined by Jackson from Full Circle. Hey everybody, thanks for having me back, Josh. It was a fun time last time and, and I'm ready to talk some more news this week. Yeah, so today we have on our kind of topic list there, we have the Christian Bale casting talking about the role he may be playing in the movie and then also at the same time, we're talking about the Flash movie because we have a new update on that, even if it's rather minor, all things considered. Uh, then the Batman movie, set photos came out for that, or I guess I should say leaked out for that, um, which it doesn't give a lot, even though we do have a new confirmation for casting, but it does tease something, which may be a part of a, a grander part of the story for the actual movie. And then last but not least, the new Mutants trailer came out. So we're going to talk about that since, my God, has that production had quite the <laughs> troubled history. Been a long road for that one. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, let's get right into it. So with Christian Bale being cast, of, so this was an exclusive from Collider, I believe. And of course, to make things kind of like bigger than they were, they made it appear to a lot of people that they were kind of teasing maybe he was added as Beta Ray Bill, even though I'm pretty sure, if anything, it's like a one-off role. I don't I don't see him being a part of a, a multi-picture, potentially entire franchise-defining character like Beta, Beta Ray Bill. Yeah, I think there's zero chance that this is a multi-film deal. I think there's zero chance that there's any... Uh, kind of spin off with his character anything moving forward into a bigger into the bigger MCU I mean this is this is Christian Bale we're talking about you know he he you know Cheney uh, last year he's got Ford versus Ferrari this year this guy's Oscar you know huge Oscar buzz constantly consistently every year um, he had his bout with the superhero movies he had his time with the big franchise and he did the three movies granted they were Nolan movies they weren't exactly a run-of-the-mill average comic book movie but um you know uh, the, the the big draw apparently was taika and taika had a good role for him and that's why they, they've wanted to work together for a while um i think he was rumored to be in the the soccer movie that fassbender ended up getting um i think uh there was some connection there and they wanted to work together and he found a role for him in thor um i don't think that i think uh i do think there's you know the possibility that he plays the villain uh whether that be dario agar or any of the other mystical creatures that they uh want to throw out there but i think there's very small chance that this is a bigger role and especially beta ray bill yeah i was gonna say i i'm i'm like 95 percent confident the role he's playing is is dario agar aka the minotaur um just just because in the comics especially the more recent thor comics regarding jane foster as thor and the unworthy thor period and even more recently with the current hulk storyline that they're doing it features pretty heavily rocks on and their CEO, who ends up being the Minotaur. So I think it actually fits pretty well. The only thing that catches me off guard about it is the fact that if he's playing the villain, that almost means they're not doing the storyline with Magog and everything like that. Yeah, I think it's diff it's always difficult to adapt a straight storyline, and I know we'll get into that into the next topic, um, but... Um, you know, Civil War and Infinity War, Endgame, all of those, you know, they, they loosely took things from the books um, that, they, you know, can work thematically, but it's it's difficult to go straight. And I know Jason Aaron's Thor run is very well regarded, and that's why, you know, Taika's you know, taking inspiration from it. But um, I, I, I much prefer the idea of him picking uh, the villain that works and then finding the actor that works for whatever story he's looking to tell. 
um, you know, adhering to one straight story can can cause problems. And, you know, definitely for comic purists. And, you know, this is its own interpretation. The MCU is its own world. Um, so I'm I'm fine with uh, you know uh, it being a different a different character and a different story. Um, I mean Roxanne has been in Marvel since you know Iron Man three and, and it was prominent in uh, the the Netflix shows. So I think you know there's there's the connection there and you know we'll just have that you know that little little nugget that we got a couple times throughout things can become this much larger entity. And, you know that's how the MCU works. So yeah, I mean I mean Christian Bale you know Christian Bale is Christian Bale and I think he can do anything and if he wants to do this role that's what really it is gets me excited because you know he's not the kind of guy to just jump into a comic book movie he, he has no reason to so if he's interested in this role I think there's something juicy and prominent there for him to to give a good performance in, a, in a, what it's looking to be a crazy movie yeah I was gonna say just one thing I was thinking of is you know how are they gonna do the whole Minotaur thing with this like are they going to do it where it's like a, a pseudo Hulk kind of thing where it's like temperament based. Are they going to do more magical creatures? Um, just because the Minotaur, I, I think is magical. Um, so yeah, a lot of questions here, especially because the actor, like Christian Bale, that's the last actor you would have expected. Right. So, I mean, right for, but for any role, really, I mean, you, you toss out any Thor based role. I mean, it's a, you know, if you, if you told me a Norman Osborn or, someone like that of that stature sure but the, you know the mysticism it just it, it feels weird but it also like if he wants to do it i'm i'm, I'm all for it because it's it, he's an actor of that caliber and you know anthony hopkins has been in these thor movies i mean obviously he has you know the shakespeare ties and all the myth you know the the larger than life kind of mystical stuff but it's it's very interesting to me that bale wanted this role and i think i, th I mean again i think taika has a lot to do with that and and rightfully so um, and I mean, it's crazy because we don't even know for sure. I mean, the biggest speculation is, you know, that's Dario Agger, but we don't know 100 uh, percent. I think that's a good bet, though, given the Jane Foster tie. But well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see on that. Yeah, because uh, another thing I was curious about is if this is the way they're going, are they going to like obviously Jane Foster is going to be the quote unquote mighty Thor. But are they going to adapt the, I guess, Hemsworth Thor into an MCU adaptation of War Thor? Um, and for those who have no idea what I'm referencing here, in the Mighty Thor storyline, eventually the ultimate Thor hammer falls down on Earth 616, the mainstream comic book Earth, and Volstagg picks it up. And, you know, the hammer is described as having the rage of a dying universe, a dying multiverse, because it kind of connects to the whole Secret War storyline they did a while back. But anyways... When he picks it up, it turns him into a version of Thor, but a much more angry, vengeful, just violent Thor. Um, so it's, it's an interesting storyline. It's very, it's I'm not doing it justice really how I'm describing it because I'm trying to leave out crucial plot points so people don't feel like I spoiled the entire thing for him. Yet, at the same time, it'd be a really interesting way of going about Chris Hemsworth Thor, even though it wouldn't make sense because he doesn't really have the temperament or demeanor currently for that. I don't think his character progression's kind of taken him away from being that brash and everything. But it'd be interesting to see what they do with him. No, but I mean when he started out though, originally he didn't have the sense of humor that he has now. So you know they take it in these different directions. And uh I mean Hemsworth is obviously keen to keep playing the character at least for this one more movie, if not, you know, further movies, but uh, more so than, you know, his his uh, co-stars Downey Jr. and Chris Evans, they they were ready to move on, get, you know, move on with their lives, but I mean, Hemsworth is, has just hit his stride as Thor. 
um, in the last, you know, three movies. So um, if he's down to keep playing, I think taking it in another direction would be even that more interesting. And we can get some solo movies with Natalie Portman. And I think that would continue a, a very, you know, a, a, a franchise on the on the rise. Yeah, I don't. I pretty wholeheartedly believe this is a, a one off, at least for Natalie and like Christian Bale. I would say that I would say that it's completely possible that Natalie comes back in some team up movie um, if she's willing to come back for this. Um, I mean, obviously, I think, again, Taika has something to do with that. But I think it's I think there's something to be said if they get a right, you know, a team up movie down the line, Avengers five or whatever it may be called. Um, if they want to have her come in as Thor, uh, I, I don't think she'd be completely against it. We'll we'll see how they write it because they could write a whole storyline in this movie where she eventually dies from her cancer, or they can write it rather open ended. So maybe she gives up the mantle to just focus on her treatments and stuff like that. And depending on the reception of this movie, they could always return to her becoming Thor again. Um, I, I think it's really going to probably be open ended because if they really enjoy the experience filming and the movie is very well received, which Taika's track record seems to indicate likely the movie will be, I think Marvel's going to want to do another one, especially since they've already said they want to push more female characters, um, minority characters, LGBT characters. So this would be an easy, you know, checking of the box, so to speak for them, especially Thor is a popular character. And I don't think Chris Hemsworth would mind playing second fiddle. Honestly, I think he would he would enjoy it. He'd be kind of coasting. Yeah, I don't think he'd have an issue at all. It'd also be another place to have, you know, a Tessa Thompson's Valkyrie, who is a you know fan favorite character and has been for a long time. Um, and I think, you know, seeing more of her would, would be an added bonus to that. No, I agree 100%. But I guess before we wrap up this topic, just Christian Bale, which character do you, do you think he's going to play and why? Um, if I had to put my money down, I would say Dario Agger. I mean, looking at everything this past week, I mean, people have been gone, going on and on about it. Um, I think it fits well, and I think it fits his kind of character. Like I mentioned earlier, the Norman Osborn kind of kind of thing. It's not this, you know, it's not, you know, apples to apples is more apples to oranges, but he's he's that kind of demeanor, you know, a big businessman. I mean, anyone who's seen American Psycho knows he can play the 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 pricky kind of uh, business guy. Um, and he could fit that role. And then he could also, I think, fit this larger than life monster role via the VFX. Um, he's he's you know, he's that good of an actor. So uh, that that's where my that's where my head would lean for me as well. I'd put my money heavily on Dario just because that's a character he can both play as Christian Bale and then also, I guess, voice as a CGI creature. And the reason why I say that for sure is because. I think one thing Taika wants to do is get into a lot more of the magical aspects of the character and that, I guess, mythology, if you want to call it that, which will be pretty vital, not only for explaining the Minotaur and how Christian Bale's character will be able to turn into him and turn back into, I guess, a more human form, but also that magical aspect, especially for transformation, will be a theme that will be needed for Natalie Portman's character of Jane Foster turning into Thor and vice versa. So... I think it's going to be really interesting to see if they connect those two in that aspect. Like that's one reason I really think they're going to do Dario because having the magical transformation will be a good mirror reflection almost to Jane Foster's Thor and that whole transformation from her, I guess, human self. But also at the same time, I just want to throw in there. I wouldn't be surprised if the Hulk makes another appearance. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's a bad call at all. I think um, if Thor does you know, end up losing the hammer and Jane 
you know, obviously, you know, from the get go, I doubt she'll have, you know, the complete control of her abilities having not done it before. I think having someone who would be able to go toe to toe with the Minotaur, you know, earlier in the movie, uh, middle of the movie kind of thing before Jane, you know, fully realizes her powers in the third act, as one could assume, given this, you know, the type of superhero story uh, uh, guideline. Um, yeah, I wouldn't think that's a bad call either. I mean, there's not there hasn't been much place for Ruffalo's Th- uh, Hulk um, anywhere. I mean, She-Hulk's obviously a possibility, but that's far, you know, it's down the line. Um, so we've yet to yet to know. And, and, uh, and you know, uh, thinking about it, this movie's obviously going to take Thor back to Earth. Because you'd have to assume that Jane is on Earth, um, yeah. for her for her the treatments and everything. So you know that's where that's where Ruffalo is, or Ruffalo's bit where Banner is. So um, yeah, I think that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, I was also just thinking about the character as well. Like he could be a very easy target to have as a character, kind of supervising Jane's treatments um, due to him specializing radiation, but also at the same time. When I was talking about Dario and Jane both being two characters in this movie in particular who will be undergoing magical transformations of their own, assuming Dario's in the film, I think the Hulk would be another awesome character to feature in it because his transformation is sci- more sciency, not really magical, even though I guess you could argue it's magical in, in its own way. So I think it'd be interesting to have three characters like that that have such drastic transformations in a superhuman, supernatural way all in the same movie, you know, just like, what would that be like? Especially from the Hulk's point of view, since he went from viewing one side as basically a new identity, you know, a monster, this and that, to coming to terms with it and becoming one. So I'd be curious to see if they, like how they do that, I guess, you know, with regards to the story. And plus, I think Taika loves working with Mark Ruffalo from their behind the scenes stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised if they they find a way since the character is still around. But Getting on to the next topic, and this is something I, I, I'm curious on your thoughts of, but with The Flash, they're still making it. The director came out today and said that it will still have inspiration from Flashpoint. What is your opinion on that? So here, and let me pull up the real the, the, the full quote. It's brief. It's like a but, sentence um, long, yeah. Yeah, it's a sentence long, but there's it's very telling. You know, this article, you know, this story dropped a little over an hour ago and wrote this up on full circle. So let me grab this. Um, yeah, right here. So what what Andy Muschietti said um, is that this that his Flash, which is set to come out in 2022, will be quote a different version of Flashpoint than you're than you're expecting, um, and you know off the bat. Um, it's obviously big news that they're still adapting Flashpoint, given all the rewrites and the different directors coming on and off the movie that, that, that you know, that's big on its own thing, because just the fact that they're going back to the storyline. But a different Flashpoint than you're expecting is is isn't uh, a, a, a great phrase, uh, I guess, for for fans of the Flash and for more so for, I think, fans of the live action series, um, just because um, a different Flashpoint than you're expecting is kind of what they threw at us on the CW and it did not go over well. Um, it was not well received. It was uh, really lackluster and kind of just died out because they didn't adapt the actual story. And it's completely understandable why they wouldn't. It's a larger-than-life story. There's a crazy amount of characters. Aquaman, uh, Wonder Woman are very prominent. Uh, the Thomas Wayne version of Bruce Wayne. Um, Superman plays a role. You know, you can't just, you know, in, 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 the, in animation, it's easy to just throw those things out there. But in a live action movie, in a live action series, you don't really have the resources to do that kind of thing. And my issue comes in where 
Um, obviously, I, I adore the Flashpoint storyline. That the animated movie is incredible, um, but you're you're not going to get Gal Gadot. You're not going to get Jason Momoa. You're absolutely not going to get. Uh, well, I mean, listen, maybe they get Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I mean, he. I'm not sure, but uh, um, you're not going to get these big name actors. Henry Cavill is not going to you know come back for this thing. So it's like, what? Where are they taking this? And why is why is Flashpoint the right story to do? Because I really don't think it's the right one for a solo Flash movie. Um, at least the first one, absolutely the first one. Um, but 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 that's just my thoughts. I mean, there's a lot to lot to go off of because it's such a big story. But uh, I'll, I'll toss it back to you before I keep going on my rant. <laughs> yeah. Well, in my opinion, as soon as he said the storyline name and then that they're not going to do a version we expect. I wasn't even thinking about the CW version until you just mentioned it, and that was an utter utter failure, in my opinion, just because they could have made it, in my opinion, they should have done a whole mid-season, like that first half should have been the Flashpoint universe, like Barry there. Um, I just thought it would have been more impactful, and you would have really been able to explore what Barry did in the second half, could really deal with the consequences of that, which in a way kind of makes it like two different seasons in one, which probably would have flowed better, but... With the movie version, I'm a little disappointed they're doing that just because I was hoping they would do something we haven't even seen remotely in the CW show, which is a proper rogues. And by doing Flashpoint, they almost confirm that the rumors are true, that they're still doing Reverse Flash slash Professor Zoom as the main antagonist. And I'm not really excited about that personally, just because I wanted something entirely new and entirely different. Plus, it feels like for whatever reason, people think that the only impactful connecting to the origin of the Flash storyline around is Flashpoint, which is a little disappointing, I guess, to say the least. Yeah, and I think it's... Yeah, I mean, I don't doubt that they could force contractually Jason Momoa or Gal Gadot to come back. In my opinion, I've always thought, look, if you're going to do the Flashpoint movie, especially with this weird... Snyder era and then post Snyder era of DC films, you might as well just let this be the reboot movie and, you know, forcibly enact everyone's contract, have Gal Gadot come back with the Atlant or the Amazonian army, sorry, have Jason Momoa come with the Atlantean army. I would leave Henry Cavill and that whole Superman side plot alone, but you know what? Ray Fisher, you probably have for a few more movies, bring him back for a somewhat minor role. And then you'd end up getting the Marvel family in there as well if you if you were actually adapting it. Well, um, I would leave them out still. I, I I think I would I would do the Atlantean Amazonian War angle. I would do that. I would do Cyborg being the big American hero, and probably I would I guess you would have Professor Zoom still be your villain, but I would have also out of all the the various characters, Ben Affleck, Batman. Um, involved instead of his father and i know that'd be really controversial to some people but at least this way you have potential abilities to do things you weren't able to do with snyder's movies which is give closure to some of these characters because otherwise they just very abruptly do not appear anymore at least characters like ray fisher's cyborg ben affleck's batman not really counting gal gadot or jason momoa's characters since they have sequels coming out in the future but I mean, I don't know. It's it's just kind of weird for me with Ezra I mean, Miller I, still as the Flash. I mean, I I I take issue with this because I mean, obviously we don't know the exact story, but you say Flashpoint, and we're going to take it as it is. And 
you know, looking at it, the DCEU in the last two years has moved past the Snyder era. You know, uh, Wonder Woman looks to be tonally different. Shazam was tonally different. Aquaman was tonally different. Birds of Pre- Birds of Prey is looking to be tonally different. They seem, you know, they're moving past it, and that's fine. No one, I mean, you know, people, you know, have their issues with it, whatever. But like, they're they're being success. They're, they've been successful. Um, these last movies have been received well. They've done well at the box office, and it's it's on the right track. With Flashpoint, you're telling me that either you're just adapting a Barry Allen, you know, a, a comic book story with Ezra Miller's Flash and then, you know, putting pieces around it that may not fit or may not have been, you know, set up in the canon already. Or you're just you're retreading on the Snyder stuff. Um, and that's kind of what the, the you know, back in uh, back last year, it was said that before Muschietti came on that Ezra was writing his own script um uh, to to try to to try to uh, keep on with the role and and, and that was going to be more dark and Snyder esque, um, and then this one you're also getting the the Flashpoint angle because apparently Ezra's was also uh, going to take from Flashpoint, but it's it's just a weird pitch to do for a first movie and I think everyone's thought that since that was the original idea all the years ago, um, and I just think in the last two years that we've moved past that and this should be its own you know origin t- not I mean not direct origin story but a but a young Barry Allen, become, you know, learning how to become the Flash and dealing with his life, you know, basically what the first season of the Flash entailed of, which is, you know, the best season of the show um, with with reverse Flash and just him realizing, you know, the powers he has and what what it means to be a hero. I mean, it's a it's a tale as old as time. It's that not that complicated. Pitch. I mean, yeah, it's not, you but know, the it's, first it's, season was, I think, Berlanti's right, movie right. pitch just stretched out. Right, it's not it's not a complicated story to tell, but it's also one you need when you're setting up a franchise. Flashpoint is the most convoluted, complicated thing. It, I mean, it reset the entire DC universe. I mean, that was the point. So it's like you're doing this in a solo movie for a character we barely know. We've seen in a cameo briefly, in a in an email attachment, and then in Justice League for a few minutes. I just I think there's so many directions to go, and it's kind of a disservice to a character like Barry Allen to just toss it in Flashpoint. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people, a lot, especially DC fans, are gonna say, "Well, isn't that hypocritical to say you did Captain America: Civil War?" And I can, I can understand that argument, playing devil's advocate, except for the fact that this really has no buildup whatsoever. I mean, they haven't taken time, and I agree with you on this. With the first movie, should really explore the nature as much as they can of his abilities, him really adjusting to those abilities, because right now doing flashpoint doing time travel doing any of that is just happening because we the general audience have familiarity with the character of time travel and a lot of that is also because a lot of people have seen the flash tv show not really because they read the comics so in my personal opinion i'm like maybe establish the mythology for the film universe that you want to establish first for the speed force and the character and all that stuff before you do Flashpoint because I think a lot of the not the awe of Flashpoint but a lot of the interesting aspects of Flashpoint is how much Barry changed things and you're not really going to see that compare and contrast if it's the first movie I think you know and also without you know if they don't take from this bigger story and have this war tearing apart the world, it's difficult f- to sell the fact that, you know, Barry comes back to a different, a completely different world. And, you know, the, the event of his mother dying, uh, you know, basically tore the war- world apart. It's, it's like, it's like, well, where's the weight in that? You know, that was the problem with Flashpoint 
um, on on the CW was that it was so small and insignificant that you didn't really feel the weight of him making the choice to save his mother. Um, it, it changed, obviously, and people were different, and, like, you know, Iris was upset with Joe, and they weren't as close, and all these little minuscule things, but on a whole, it, it, it didn't have the impact, and it was too brief, and, you know, a two-hour movie with this kind of, you know, the, the gravitas of this kind of story, I just, I just, it's a disservice to both that story and the character who we're just basically being introduced to now. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I, I've been reading online that it might be more of a kind of back to the future storyline, you know, a lot more standalone and they're just kind of using flashpoint to sell it, you know, like marketing wise. And in that case, I, I get it, but I still think you shouldn't do a time travel story in your first solo film. I think you should do something just more not conservative per se, but I think you should do something that's more welcoming and inviting to really learning who this character is and why you should care about the character. Just because I think they're, they're going a little bit too much from the get-go off goodwill people have from other media interpretations of The Flash. Not really this Ezra Miller version of The Flash, which in that case means I really won't care that his mom died or that he went back to save her. Like, I'm, I'm not invested in the character yet. Right, and as bad, you know, as, 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 as much of a, you know, bad job they did doing it on the CW, you had two seasons of Barry you know, living without his mother than his father dying at the end of season two, which is really the crux of why he went back to save his mother was because both of his parents had died. He wasn't able to save either of them. So he made the decision to go back and change them both. And you, you had to you live with him for two seasons with that fact. Um, and it was it was obviously his biggest issue. And it was the thing that weighed on him the most um, was the, the fact that he couldn't save his mother. And then he ended up beating reverse flash, but made the choice not to save her in the end. Um, but he wanted to do something selfishly for himself. And you felt that emotion. The emotion was there in that moment at the end of season two when he went back um, on that cliffhanger. But yeah, I, I don't know anything about Ezra Miller's Flash. We've had very brief looks at him. I mean, the I, you know, I can't say that the, the scene with Henry Allen in Justice League where he goes in and talks to him in the prison isn't, you know, isn't moving. But I don't I don't know them. I don't know either of them. I honestly only know it because I know the story itself. And that's you know, it, it doesn't work that way. You can't just you can't you can't force something on an audience because you assume they know things. Um, you have to tell the story with these characters and these versions of those characters. Um, and I think it's it's going to be a difficult sell for sure. Getting on actually to another DC property here, the Batman. So Matt Reeves' highly anticipated film, The Batman, is not coming out this year, but is starting to film this year, specifically right now. You know, Jeffrey Wright already tweeted that he was jet lagged from quote-unquote going to Gotham because I think they're filming over in London right now and some set photos came out of a character that appears to be Robert Pattinson's Bruce Wayne in kind of the best way I can describe it is a motorcycle with very dirty kind of baggy or at least multiple layers of like a jacket pants kind of combination a big backpack it evokes a lot of Batman zero year vibes and alongside of that it appears that with the Batman, we have Penguin, which is, I think, Colin Farrell. Interesting casting. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so when I saw when I saw the Colin Farrell, or at least it was a stand-in or whatever whatever the situation was, it, it was the Penguin, and we know now that Colin Farrell is a, confirmed to be cast by Matt Reeves. Um, we... You know, you see that, and you're like, okay, you're, they're they're doing a different interpretation. You know, the more the uh, the I forget I forget the terminology they used to describe this version of the Penguin, but it was popular in the comic books. But um, the the Robin Pattinson one was really that the one that stood out to me because you see him on this on this you know on the bike 
with the clothes and the backpack and you quickly realize that he's obviously coming back from his journey abroad, which is, you know, very famous in the in the lore of Batman. Um, they did it in Begins and they do it in comic books every time they, they redo uh, Batman is him going off, you know, to train and then coming back to Gotham and to begin his mission to fight crime. And I think I think that kind of that that one image says a lot because I think we, you can take away the fact that there's going to be some origin um, in this in this movie, which from, you know, we, we had Reeves has been very vocal about how he wanted to take from the detective works of Batman and wanted it to be a, a younger Batman with a different story. And I think, you know, a lot of people assumed that it would be Batman in his early years. But I think this image kind of shows us that it might be earlier than we thought from the get go. Um, this may be his first go around as Batman very early on. Um, or at least this is part of you know, either a montage do, setting up the fact that, you know, he's he's coming back or or any number of things. But I think I think it's a very telling image just based on this one little leaked uh, still. Yeah. In my opinion, I'm just curious about how expansive the storyline is going to be now, because I thought the movie was starting off like he's already Batman. So if we're getting moments that are essentially recapping him becoming Batman, I'm curious not only about the antagon- like the real antagonist of the film now, but also what exactly is Matt Reeves going for in this movie? Is he just setting off to tell a long Halloween-inspired storyline, which for a long time we thought was essentially what they'd be doing? Uh, is, is, that, is that what he's doing, or is he telling a new version of Batman's origin, especially since this movie reportedly is either in the 90s or early 2000s timeline-wise? So it's, it's just it's very interesting. All the little nuances going on with regards to the story, especially since it's been, as I'm sure a lot of people could realize, very tight lips. Yeah, and there was also all the reports of it being set um, in the 90s, but then we got that uh, set photo of the news vans that had HD, uh, you know, telecast logo on it. And, you know, that didn't come out until the very late 90s, early 2000s. So that may, you know, lead credence to the fact that this movie takes place maybe in the early 2000s. Um, it's it's hard to tell, but um, that's just another little clue. I mean, it's all very mysterious, and I think that's part of the ambiance of Batman. Um, Reeves is very is very much playing up the, uh, the 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 mystery of the the Dark Knight and Bruce Wayne. So you know, it's not it's and it's not like him to you know let out information. He keeps everything close to the vest. So honestly, I think we'll just have to piece things together until we finally get confirmation of that via a trailer or, or you know a Reeves quote or whatever it may be. Yeah, he's pretty conservative with regards to. What he reveals. I mean, he does like cryptic tweets, but he doesn't really give away too much. With this movie, though, and the set photos we got, if they are adapting more of a Batman Zero Year style origin, and we're going to have moments in the film depicting Bruce Wayne coming back home, so to speak, are you hoping that we get a subplot of that? Because I'm hoping, I mean, I think it'd be really cool if maybe the main present day villain is somehow related to the past villain if they show that like Batman's first villain so to speak and maybe not the literal villain but maybe the lesson learned or you know just the experience I wouldn't mind like a concurrent story that tells two different times um one later and one earlier um you know that's something we've seen in in comic book movies before and I I find that very interesting way of storytelling um, they actually actually did something similar in, in Little Women that I just watched, and it was actually very, very well done. And I, you know, I enjoy that kind of story. 
Um, I just, I'm just, the, the origin has always been played out to me. I mean, it's been played out since basically Batman begins and that's not because they did a bad job, but honestly they did such a good job that it's just so hard to just, you know, go back and watch another origin and have it have play out. And I think that's a lot of the reason why Gotham never really, um, you know, appealed to me. Uh, it wasn't a show that I was really interested in the young days of Bruce Wayne. Um, but it's, it's something that's something that obviously should be explored and it's a very crucial part of who Bruce Wayne is but you know th- it's weird because you know we just said last segment that they they can't they shouldn't you know give you information based on things you already know about the character but this is but this is kind of the polar opposite people know way too much about Batman there's a lot to be assumed about this character and or and his very, you know his direct origin and then the the travel abroad is something that it's kind of universally understood um that I wouldn't have a problem with them um, kind of skipping over briefly, you know, just skimming around. Um, but obviously I want Reese to tell the story he wants to tell I mean, He's an incredible filmmaker and deserves that right. So I'll go in open-minded. I'm just, I'm not one for the origin. I like the prospect of maybe, you know, an investigation or something like that he's doing in the present day. Harkens back to an earlier one, which might happen to be his first one as Batman. I think that'd be really cool for a concurrent, concurrent storyline. I just... I don't know. I kind of want something different. I've always been a fan of the detective aspect of Batman more than the more traditional superhero fighting crime in my underwear kind of thing. So I am really hoping it's a noir storyline. That's what it's been described as. So hopefully we do get that. But you never know. Um, you, you never you never really know with superhero movies what you'll get. How much genre will it be versus, I guess, generic superhero beats. Even though Matt Reeves is a, such a good director, I... I think he can pull it off with high levels of success. Right. You, you look to the filmmaker, right? Uh, you know, talking about Taika back in the first segment, I mean, he's he's a comedic genius. And I think, you know, people weren't used to comedy in a Thor movie. And that's why a lot of people, you know, oh, it's too funny. But I'm like, it's it's honestly the right kind of funny. Thor was always too serious. It was always too melodramatic. It never really worked in the MCU. And they gave him a little life and, you know, it, it, it sparked a fire. And then now he's, you know, people's favorite character in the universe Two two movies later, <clears throat> excuse me. But he, um, it's, it, you have to look to the filmmaker and the people that they get to put in charge of these things. You know, some, someone like a Ryan Coogler on Black Panther who makes it su- such a nuanced story in a big budget, you know, superhero movie. Uh, the, the, there's so, there's a lot of deep seated, you know, issues and talks about social commentary and all of that. But it's, and you know, I, I expect Reeves to do something, you know, of his own and, and a very nuanced story. And I think, you know, uh, if he wants to touch the origin, he thinks it's important for the story that he wants to tell, then I'm all for it. I just, I would, I would rather see something different. Like you said, I'm always, you know, all these movies in all these years, we've been watching these big blockbuster superhero movies. I'm always for different. I'm always for something new and, and inspired not something retreading the past. But again, he's a, he's an incredible filmmaker and, and I hope he can tell a story he's able to. Yeah, I agree. And speaking of a story, being told that's a terrible segue but the new mutants <laughs> it's, movie it's, yeah, it's finally be told. <laughs> dropped its trailer and i i'm kind of speechless actually because I, I still can't believe this movie is still being made i feel like it's been ready to release forever people thought it was gonna appear in a walmart dollar movie bin and that was it or on the streaming services but the fact that it appears it's still coming out in theaters and it's actually going to be more like the original director's vision, not whatever the studio was trying to do before the Disney-Fox merger happened, or I guess acquisition happened. It's it's a very up-and-down, interesting development, and I'm really curious personally if they're actually going to secretly 
make this a part of the MCU. And I'll let you get into what your thoughts are and, and stuff like that. And I'll get into more of why I'm saying that. But Jackson, what do you think about the new mutants and... Well, the new mutants, I guess. <laughs> I mean, that's the elephant in the room, right? I mean, we thought Fox Marvel was done. Um, honestly, even up to two weeks ago, we didn't know new mutants. You know, there was a release date, but there's been 10 different release dates. So it wasn't anything that anyone took any uh, weight behind. It was just, you know, a date that they had locked on there for some reason. Then we hear a trailer's coming. Josh Boone says a trailer's coming. We're like, wait, why? We all assumed that it was just going to end up on Hulu or some weird, you know, cut up version on Disney Plus at some point down the line. We were just like, well, what are what's going on here? And they released the trailer and it's like, wow, this is they're like actually doing this. Like this is actually going to come out. We thought Dark Phoenix was the end. Dark Phoenix was pitched as the end. You know what I mean? The, the, the marketing made it seem like, Fox, you know, this is Fox's last go around their swan song. Um, and then here we go with New Mutants and it's kind of blindsiding people. I mean, people took to the trailer. Um, I actually I think I enjoyed the first trailer more. Um, I, I think people forgot how much they liked that first trailer. It was it was really well regarded when it came out. <clears throat> Excuse me, but um, I'm I'm incredibly curious what this movie's going to be. Um, it's not a story like I'm feeling necessary you know necessary to really go see. I'm not like really anticipating it, but I am fascinated to see because I mean, hey, what if it's it's completely completely possible that Disney said, hey, we're gonna cut up this movie back to the original way that Josh Boone wanted to do it. And we're going to release it. And what if people really like this movie? What if people really enjoy this movie? What are the implications of that going forward with the X-Men and the MCU? Um, could they retcon it in later on? I think it's possible. I don't think they're going to do it from the jump. Um, I think it's like, a, you know, the Venom situation where, you know, people if people really like Venom and Tom Holland and Venom, then there's the possibility down the line of putting that in the MCU. But I don't think from the get-go, Feige would say, hey, let's just put this in there without seeing fan reception first. So... Uh, I think they're going to just give us what what they have and then we'll just well, they'll just see what it does. I, I mean, uh, any amount of money they get at this point will have to be somewhat helpful, given that it's just been sitting around for two and a half years. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can get into it now, but yeah, I'm 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 interested. I'm very interested where it goes. Yeah, I think this will end up leading to and I could be entirely wrong. And if I'm wrong, it's all good. If I'm correct. Great. But I really do think they're going to make this movie a backdoor introduction to mutants within the mcu and i say that for three reasons the first reason is at comic-con when talking about the first movie with x-men related characters instead of saying x-men feige said mutants and i felt like he was going to say new mutants for a second then caught himself and just said mutants and people assumed he said mutants just because x-men mutants all that jazz but it was a very odd choice of words and maybe I'm looking too into it, entirely possible. The second reason is because this film is rather standalone in its nature. I mean, both the setting is rather kind of hidden uh, from the, the rest of the world, and also just in general, this movie is in such a way where you can really have the characters be a part of the larger universe, but just have the setting be so secretive and the events so secretive that it's just easy to play with basically it's not like you know the dark phoenix or first class universe films where it was very involved with things like the cuban missile crisis it, you have none of that really world interactions going on with new mutants it basically just takes place in this one building in this one general setting and you can really play with that in ways that you couldn't with other films with regards to bringing things into the mcu 
And the third reason I say I think they might use this is because it previously came out in reports that Marvel Studios was involved in certain reshoots in production tweaks here and there with the movie to allow it to fit more into an MCU Marvel Studios kind of vibe in that greater universe. And Disney even said they offered it up to Marvel if they wanted to be included in the MCU. And we never got reports if that ended up being taken by Kevin Feige or not. So I think that might be a surprise. Otherwise, to be totally honest with you, I see no reason to release this film. Like I think, yeah, no, I I completely understand. Especially that. if Why? Marvel's yeah. going to be introducing the X Men in the future and doing their own mutants, there's no reason to do a new mutants movie, unless there's something else at play here. I think long term. And to just you know to play uh, devil's advocate to your point, I think this movie really has two big things going for it. Um, first of all, we know that Marvel is looking into doing you know uh, moving into the horror genre. Not, you know, fully, but they're getting these supernatural elements coming in with Moon Knight and Blade. Doctor Strange 2, you know, Scott Derrickson has described it as a somewhat horror movie. I know Feige kind of backtracked that a little bit, but obviously it's going to have those elements. Um, and New Moons is, is pitched as a horror movie. The trailer makes it look like a, you know, like a horror fest and something uh, creepy and scary and not something that is really, you know, it has been in the MCU. And I think that's I think that's a help. I think that's a that's a draw for a lot of people. And I think number two, this movie is stacked with with actors Maisie Williams and Anya Taylor-Joy are two of the you know big up-and-coming actresses uh, in, in Hollywood today I mean Maisie off of Game of Thrones and obviously she shot this before Game of Thrones ended um, because this was shot so long ago and Anya Taylor-Joy is, is it's just been everywhere and I think they're two they're two bright spots that could you know if this movie is received well become staples in the MCU if that's what they choose to do I mean these are these are high-class actors they're people that you feel like the MCU would 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 pitch and and try to court and I think I think that's a huge bonus to New Mutants. Yeah, and another thing I was thinking about too is when watching the newest trailer, one thing they left in there was basically the, the kids sounded like they were learning what mutants really were for the first time. Um, some of them woke up and you know they had a, an event trigger their superhuman abilities and that's how they, I guess, realized they were mutants of some kind, but they never really make it seem like mutants within the footage shown in the trailers it doesn't seem like mutants are a commonly known thing a widespread thing sounds like we're in the early outbreak stages of mutants really becoming a thing which i think fits like i said before perfectly within the mcu using this to introduce such a concept within their greater universe plus at the same time it's been one of those things where kevin feige really wants to do it so to have it so perfectly almost gift wrapped to him like, the movie's already made. You already have it in a secluded environment. You have, like you said, a great deal of talent around it actor-wise that maybe you can poach and use in other movies, whether it's a New Mutants franchise or, you know, cameos and whatever in other films. I mean, it's just, it seems too good for Kevin Feige to just let slip out, especially since the MCU wants to do Mutants. And you said it yourself. They want to do more supernatural, more horror this has everything for them right there. And I mean, you're right. This movie is like exists in a vacuum. We don't know what it is. No one has any idea what's going on. So if it works, they can use it. If it's bombs, they don't have to. It, 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 it's the perfect situation, I think, really, based on, you know, these obscure group of characters that people don't really know. Yeah. Um, these are these could be the Guardians of the Galaxy of the X-Men universe. We yeah. just don't know it yet. 
we you know it's been sitting around forever um there's so much mystery and intrigue and i think a lot of people i think there's honestly a draw of people just trying to figure out what this movie even is when you know by 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 releasing it i think it could have benefited from streaming in that way um but you know be, just being tossed out and people being able to see it but i mean hey let's see what let's see what they got i'm i'm willing to go you know at least check it out and see what they see what fox marvel had to come up with um you know almost two, 3 years ago at this point i'm so hey why not and if it works it works yeah i mean my tinfoil hat's all the way on here cuz you know you have kevin feige and marvel studios canceling abc and hulu tv shows to me, it's just there's a lot of smoke here um, heading towards that direction. Usually, the MCU doesn't really allow stuff like that to happen. Uh, it it so. feels weird. It just it feels weird. The, the just the whole ambiance of the whole situation. Yeah, very uh, much like so. It, Especially yeah, how it secretive it's usually. been. Have yeah, you it's very that? weird. How secretive it's been. Never have we ever had a Fox mutant movie or Fox X Men movie so secretive before, and then all of a sudden details about this movie are very scarce or at least more recent details like what happened in reshoots what happened in the production since disney's taken it over it's just been very odd well it was it was radio silence for over a year i mean there was just nothing i mean there were people throwing out reports here and there but there was no concrete info from either disney slash marvel or fox slash marvel and we had no idea and then here just comes this trailer and we're all like whoa okay and then you know, people, people very much enjoyed it, and I think that's a that's that that works in its benefit, and I think there's a lot going for it. I'm just I'm just waiting to see what what they actually have. Same here. I mean, whether the new mutants movie is a part of the MCU or not, obviously I'm I'm really full tin hat here. But whether it's a part of the MCU or not, I think it's going to be a good movie. Otherwise, they would not at all release it at this point because that's just how Disney is. They they won't release anything they think isn't at least. B plus quality or higher. It's it's very rare to get a Disney dud, to be honest, which is great on their part. You know, great for catching all the potential slips that movies might have. But yeah, um, I guess that's pretty much it for this episode. Jackson, thanks for joining us again. I appreciate you being available. Absolutely, anytime. Yeah. So I guess Jackson, you want to let everybody know where they could find you. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at JacksonHay67 and follow the page at full circle cine um that's c-i-n-e uh and yeah um we'll just ch- check us out and and listen to the listen to the pod and continue to listen to the pods and support h&e and all that yeah and for anyone else interested leave comments in the description with hashtag h&e pod also if you're listening to this on youtube you're probably listening to this as different segments but if you're listening to it on other platforms Let us know what platforms you're listening to it on, whether it's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, whatever it may be you're listening to it, let us know. And with all that said and done, Jackson, again, thank you for being a part of this episode, and we'll see you guys later.